Untitled Beatles podcast. Well, then we get into in the four hole, TJ. Clean up. Clean up. Clean up time. We've got, it's, uh, bubble, bubble. it's the big Chuck Berry song, rock and roll music. Just let me hear some of that rock and roll music. Any old way you choose it. It's got a backbeat, you can't lose it. Any old time you use it. Gotta be rock and roll music. If you wanna dance with me. If you wanna dance with me. I got no kick against me. second and last Chuck Berry song to appear on a Beatles studio album. Though as a solo artist, I believe George recorded My Ding-A-Dong, right? Silver bells hanging on a string She told me it was my ding Sorry, thank you, thank you, and sorry, sorry, and thank you. Sorry, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, what other, because John did You Can't Catch Me uh, for Morris Levy, who owned the Chuck Berry stuff, and that's what led to that weird Roots album and that lot right. of tracks we recorded for rock and roll. Um, but yeah, that's where he hand, did, did he hand Morris Levy the tapes? Cause Morris Levy's like, yeah, the way to sell albums on TV, when is you record an album, hand me the tapes. Basically the Broad Street plot. <laughs> now, Adam 8 presents the incredible John Lennon singing 15 of the great rock and roll hits never before available anywhere. You get 15 great hits in one fabulous record album for just $4.98. Hear John Lennon sing, Ain't That a Shame? Yeah, yeah. And the fabulous Bebopalula. Yes, John Lennon sings 15 great rock and roll hits, all in one fantastic album for just $4.98 or $5.98 for eight track tapes. Yeah, I mean, they obviously did a bunch of Chuck Berry songs. It's Sweet Little 16. Sweet Little 16. She's just gotta have. Memphis. Healthy information. Get in touch with my Marie. She's the only one that phoned me here. Johnny Be Good. Carol. Oh, Carol. Don't Oh, I suppose a Carol O'Connor. <laughs> best known best known for In the Heat of the Night. <laughs> Definitely best known for In the Heat of the Night. He was using words like vagina. According to John, Chuck Berry really wrote stuff. The lyrics were fantastic, even though we didn't know what he was saying half the time. This came out in uh, September of 1957, the original, and uh, got up to number eight on Billboard. I took my loved one over across the tracks So she could hear my man a wail and sax I must admit they have a rocking band the Beatles crammed this into a rush session October 18th, 1964. Uh, they did a bunch of songs. I think they completed eight songs that day. It was nearly a please, please me kind of a day. Yeah. Crank it out. Crank it out. I love the vocal. The Lennon vocal is amazing. It's like... It's, it's basically he's giving it his twist and shout voice. And it's so much like twist and shout. This is another one take, no overdubs. 
this song, when I was like making piano rock mixes, like in the nineties, I used to put this on as a piano rock song and that's all George Martin, George Martin rocking the Jerry Lee Lewis with all those glisses and all the kind of pounding eighth notes. Are those eighth notes? Or is there like a triplety thing going on? I guess it depends on what section. At any rate, this is George Martin's best contribution physically, not like conducting the string quartet for yesterday, but actually playing on a record. This is my favorite George Martin. I think the piano drives the song. And much like Hey Bulldog and Lady Madonna, as we've talked about Ben Folds alluding to sometimes, the Beatles were also a piano rock band. In addition (laughs) to everything else they did, they did piano rock as well as anything else. And this one's because of George Martin. I, I adore his playing in this. Yeah, now some people think that the piano is overdubbed by John, Paul, and George Martin all sitting at the piano together, according to Derek Taylor's liner notes in Beatles for Sale. And then Jeff Emmerich's book, which is full of who knows what, but he seems to think that Paul was on piano and George was playing Paul's left-handed bass. (laughs) Really? But I don't think so, because I think there's two guitars on this. So that can't be. I think it's how we say it with George Martin in there live with the guys going. It's also you can tell by the kind of playing he does that is sped up on In My Life. That's George Martin playing on In My Life. Yes. Listen to his gliss that takes you from the In My Life uh, piano slash harpsichord solo back into John's bridge. Because that gliss sounds just like his glisses in rock and roll music, and a gliss is a very specific thing. Way down south, they had a it's clearly George Martin doing both of those glisses, is my point. Gliss Forensics with TJ Shannon. Glisson! Okay, so well, all that said, TJ, more controversial opinions, this time from me. I like this performance. But for me, it's still it's like one to two verses too long. And I would have preferred leave my kitten alone. Uh oh, (laughs) dun, dun, dun. I get that. I love Leave My Kitten Alone, but I'm not going to take you bashing rock and roll music when you're about to defend Mr. Moonlight. <laughs> not going to put up with it. It's not going to do it. <laughs> we need Mr. Moonlight. In fa- yeah. Look, I don't know if you can hear those sirens. They're coming to get me because I like Mr. Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> the original Dr. Feelgood version. But she's well, actually great. I like the original. We'll get to it. We'll get to, we'll get yeah, to that, coming. Mr. It's Moonlight. Coming. It's coming. In the meantime... We've got a lovely number from Paul. This is George Martin's favorite song on Beatles for Sale, I'll Follow the Sun. And it should be noted my mom likes this one as well. Shout yeah, out to my mom. Yeah, it's a gorgeous song. It's one of Paul's, hi, Tony's mom. <laughs> it is one of the uh, earliest or earlier songs Paul wrote. Do you write this in the 50s or was it the early? When did he write this? 
Well, there's an early Quarryman recording from 1960. And that version, it swings a little more. And that's John Paul George, Stu Sutcliffe, and maybe Tommy Moore on drums. That's what we think. Tommy Moore, Tommy Moore was a love at first sight. <laughs> Tommy Moore, Tommy Moore, did she put up a fight? <laughs> People teased that dude so hard after Grease came out. He was never the same, man. Yeah. Tommy Moore, Tommy Shut up! Uh, well, Paul said he, uh, he wrote this song in his front parlor... As opposed to his dark room. <laughs> uh, he said when he was about 16, which places it around 58, maybe. Or Yeah. Anyway, whatever. He wrote this song when he was a teenager. The lyrics are very teenager. Someday you'll know I was the one. Kind of an arrogant thing to say, but in the end, man, he was right. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to ever have dated someone and it was Paul McCartney... He kind of was the one in, in certain lights, we should say. Yeah, not to Heather. Hi, <laughs> Heather. There I will stay for a year and a day until the cares of my life blow away. This is just someone I fell in love with who to me was a normal guy that happened to write a few cool songs in the 60s and a few in the 70s. Mm. In the uh, <laughs> in the Paul's lyrics book, he says, it's a leaving Liverpool song. I'm leaving this rainy northern town for some place where more is happening. Yeah, I always, you know, I always imagine him singing to a girl, but I could see him singing this to, you know, Liverpool in a way. One day you'll look to see I've gone for tomorrow me. But tomorrow may rain, so I'll follow the sun. It's way better than uh, Ringo's tribute song, Liverpool 8, <laughs> which begins with the lines, I was a sailor first, I sailed the sea. Liverpool, I left you, said goodbye to Madrid Street. You, John. That's right. From Liverpool. That's right. Have you had a happy life? Sailed the world. It all turned out just... Man, I don't know what Jeff Emmerich had up his ass about George Harrison, but he called... The solo on this song, which I think is fine, and more than fine, I think it suits the song and it's tasteful. Emmerich calls it simple-minded, downright embarrassing, and not even a solo. In my notes I have, dude, 
chill out. Yeah, uh, I love George Harrison's solo with this. I think it's gorgeous, and I think if you're going to pick on a George Harrison solo, the one that everyone's been afraid to pick on for years is All You Need Is Love, which is one of the worst rock solos ever committed to record. <laughs> yeah, we it did. Just yeah. It just is. Yeah, it just is. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll get for Yes, in its execution, but I don't mind the notes he plays. It just trails off. Yeah, it does kind of trail off. But you have all that strings and shit to like pad it up, you know? Yeah. On the mono version of this, there's less reverb on the vocals, stereo, more reverb. And then on Love Songs, TJ, Capital added even more reverb for some reason. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I love it. The important album with the cursive writing in the booklet. And now the time has come, and so my love I must go. And though I lose a friend... But tomorrow may rain, so I'll follow the sun. Oh, well, we've come to my favorite portion of the episode, TJ, and that's when we talk about Mr. Moonlight. Your favorite Beatles cover of all time, correct? Is it? No, it is not my favorite. Be- Actually, I think Long Tall Sally is my favorite. But I'm a Mr. Moonlight defender because no other song that they covered sounds like this. I think, you know what, I'm also an underdog guy with it, too, because everyone loves to rip on this song. I'm a sweet Polly purebred. <laughs> oh, underdog, you're wonderful. I'm a Klondike cat. <laughs> I'll make mincemeat out of those Mr. Moonlight haters. Glundite cat always gets his mouth. Well, it should be known, TJ, that my Scranton copy of this LP rejected the song twice. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, because it's a... It's, it skipped? It's in, like, good condition, which means bad condition in record right. uh, grading quality. Yeah, so it actually, like, the needle actually went like... <laughs> Like it's scratched <laughs> all the way to the, the label uh, twice. So uh, haters win in that regard. But uh, <laughs> I've always liked this song. It's an obscure f- song to begin with. Not only is it an obscure song by an, an obscure band, Dr. Feelgood and the Interns, it's the B side of an obscure thing. Dr. Feelgood's real name was Willie Lee Perryman, a.k.a. Piano Red. 
and Badfinger recorded a song about Piano Red after they apparently, like Pete Ham, met him at a bar called Red's Great at 88. ask you this, TJ. Why do people hate the sound of a Hammond organ? They're always calling it cheesy, tasteless, gold lame ghastliness, I've also read. I find the sound, that organ solo, played by our friend Paul McCartney, to be a very Mm -hmm. soothing sound. I know I love the sound of an organ too. In fact, I've been playing a Hammond organ for the last couple of years at the Chicago Magic Lounge. That's what I play for the pre-show, and I play this song maybe once or twice a month. That's awesome. Because there's times I'll do like side one of Beatles for sale. I try to play some Beatles album side sometimes. That's so fun. Or there's nights I'll just do Beatles covers, which is a fun thing to do. Songs the Beatles covered. I mean. Um, and I play Mr. Moonlight, which sounds so great on the organ. Uh I don't hate this song either. I think it's it's a weird. It's one of the weirder songs in the Beatles canon. It's one of the weirdest Beatle harmony songs. This and yes, it is are have two of the strangest Beatles harmonies on record. I think they're just they're not bad. They're just weird. Yeah, they're a little. There's like a discordant quality to them, but intentionally so. Like I don't think they're making mistakes. I think they're making cool choices. This is a side ender. Yeah. On Beatles 65 and an album ender on the cassette of Beatles 65. It's given a lot of prominence here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I might actually prefer the uh, Beatles 65 cassette in that case. Yeah. Yeah. It does fade out. It ends. The mono version ends earlier. You only get three, like 3.3 Mr. Moonlights at the end. And there's no organ sound. In the stereo version, you get four Mr. Moonlights plus a harmony. And then you can hear some little organ sounds in there, too. It's basically Beatles 65's Helter Skelter. <laughs> I am a defender of this song. It's like I say, there's no other song that sounds like it. It's it, it harkens back to their days when they had to do a lot of songs and fill up a lot of time. And they would do comedy cabaret stuff like Sheik of Araby and like Decca Audition stuff. And I think that the song, it, there's like a joke, even like George banging on the that African drum. That's there's like a jokey quality to the song. And I think in 64, people were so crazed, you know, that the joke just went over everyone's hair. (laughs) It went over 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 their beetle haircuts. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they were too busy snipping all the hair to like, like (laughs) relax and enjoy a fucking joke. They were all just like (laughs) with the tongues hanging down to their knickers and like got to clip the beetles hair and I got to own the beetles. Like. Shut up and just enjoy the goddamn humor of the Beatles. <laughs> Be- Beatles sniffers. sniffers. Well, this is one of their funnier songs, along with You Know My Name mm-hmm. and a few others. I listened to the song with the toilet seat around my neck, sweating. <laughs> Mr. Moonlight. Mr. Moonlight. Mr. Moonlight. Mr. Moonlight. <laughs> Well, that closes side one of Beatles 65. You flip the record over and now we get a brand new thing. This is not, we're not in Beatles for sale, a copycat land anymore. 
It opens with a Carl Perkins tune, originally sung by John, but given to Ringo so he could have something to sing on the record, Honey Don't. Well, how come you say you will when you won't? Say you do, baby, when you don't. Let me know, honey, how you feel. Tell the truth, now is love real? But I'm on. Well, honey, don't. Yeah, there's very few Ringo songs that open the side of an album. This, there's Act Naturally, open side two of the British Help, and Yellow Submarine opens side one of the Yellow Submarine albums. So it's cool having Ringo. It's the first time Ringo's kicked off an album side in the Beatles' career. That's prominence. That's cool. It is cool, yeah. As far as these songs go, not my favorite, though. Not my favorite. I know, who cares, right? But, like... Let's focus on the positives. I like some of the strange lyrics. You've got that sand all over your feet. It's always funny. What is it? I to me, I always thought that meant that uh, she'd just come from the beach. You know what I mean? It's what I thought too. Yeah, I guess it was confusing. I think some people thought it, the, like people used to pour sand on dance floors in the fifties, so they'd come from dancing or whatever. And because it's the B side of Blue Suede Shoes, maybe it was like dancing. You know, maybe they're tied together or something with dancing. I, that's interesting. I always misheard this lyric is you've got Paul Sand all over your feet. The Second City alumnus. <laughs> oh, look, Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi. Yeah, uh, honey, don't, you know, it's, I, I think it's cool hearing a Ringo cover. I mean, any Ringo track's better than if you got trouble where he instructs someone to rock on anybody. Oh, uh. I dis I still disagree, as you know, very much like Mr. Moonlight. I mean, if you've got Trouble Defender, I think it's got a cool riff. I think it's got good energy. I don't care if he says rock on anybody. They could also they didn't have to put that part in there, you know, they have <laughs> faders. <laughs> But I, I see your point. I do see your point, TJ. Obviously, George is having a great time playing, doing more Carl Perkins. There's a lot of like Carl Perkins style guitar all over this record, courtesy of George Harrison. Yeah. And the playing on this is super tight. The, I think the groove of the song saves it for me. It's just in a really cool Ringo pocket. I'll rock on George for Ringo one time. Now, here's a funny story I read. So at a party in May of 1964, Carl Perkins was at this party, and the, so were the Beatles. And George just went up to Carl point blank and said, what key is Honey Don't in? And Carl said, E. And George turns to John. I told you we weren't doing it right. <laughs> That's so great. That's what you said. It is great. Both John and Paul covered this song in their solo careers. John during the Plastic Ono sessions, which we heard in uh, the reissue, the 50th. Yeah. And then Paul during Tug of War between takes when he was playing with Carl Perkins. And Paul also has done this live a couple of times with his touring band. He does it in soundtracks, and I think he did a weird show at the 
Colosseum in Rome. Oh. Is the Colosseum in Rome? Did I make that up? Am I making up facts about Italy? I've been there. I've seen it. Yeah, he did a weird kind of almost acoustic show there, and I think he did Honey Don't as part of that cool set list. E adesso una canzone speciale per Roma. Volare Natural reverb there in the Coliseum. Not Dave Dexter reverb. <laughs> no, definitely not Dave Dexter reverb. Uh, one of my favorite early tracks is the next track, and it was left off American Hard Day's Night, but I think it actually fits a lot better here on Beatles 65. Do you agree? A hundred percent. And because I learned this song on Beatles 65 before the CDs came out, I still think of the song as from the Beatles for Sale era, not the Hard Day's Night album, because I associate this song with with everything else from this era. I love this song. This is it's one of the underrated early Beatles classics. And yeah, it's a Hard Day's Night track for the world. And in North America, um, in 64, we got this on a, a Beatles 65. I associate it with this era too, my friend. It should be noted that this song is called I'll Be Back. You know, if you break my heart, I'll go. But I'll be back again. I told you once before goodbye, but I came back again. <laughs> it should be noted we never said the title, <laughs> Radio Pros. But I totally agree with you. Yes, I'll Be Back fits the, uh, the more, I keep saying beleaguered Beatles, but like the world-weary Beatles, the Beatles who've been through the ringer and have seen the world now, you know, they're on their second and third times round by the time we get here. And yeah, I'll be back. It's, 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 it's got a really interesting chord progression. Uh, I guess it was inspired by the chord changes in Runaway by Del Shannon. Uh, Tony's got his guitar. I, We've been asking for this. I do have it. I don't think I'm recording, though, on the... So, the, yeah, the, the, the chord progression, it starts in A major, right? And then it goes right into an A minor, you know? And then to the C, the G, the F, the E7, back to the A. It's such a weird chord progression. And then back into the minor bit. There's no solo. There's no chorus. It's just this like kind of serpentine chord progression that goes between major and minor and snakes around. Yeah. I do love half steps down, you know, F, F to E7. So nice. I don't know. There's something about this chord progression that I just, I've always loved this song. I love the, I love the melancholy quality to it. Uh, another John Insecure love song. It, it, it definitely fits the vibe of, of this era. And Tony, yes. And the bridge is just as interesting. That kind of descending yes. pattern on, on the chord. I thought that you would realize 
if I ran away from you, that you would want me to. But I got a big surprise. Oh, 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 you could find better things to do than to break my heart again. So, yeah, th- it's a standout on the Hard Day's Night album, and it's what makes Beatles 65 an important album. It's inclusion on an 11 track album. It doesn't get us lost. Yeah. Just some more love for this song. Like to me, the, the acoustic guitars are just more, they're more tactile in the song. I really, especially those triplet strums. I've always loved that to me. There's like, that's kind of a Latin thing that's going on in there. It should be noted. They never played this song live, not even on BBC or anything. So this is all you get for this one. There's a cool uh, alt take or early take where they try it as a waltz on the yes. first anthology. And they pretty quickly turn it into a 4-4 a four, four thing because they just... Wait, is that the one where John said, it's too hard to sing? There's one where he's like... I think that so. That might be the one where he's complaining about how hard it is to sing. When I start going oh, oh about eight times, I just won't sing that bit. Then, you know, it's an American record, so you got to throw some singles on there. And this way, we start with the B side, uh, a duophonic mix of She's a Woman. There are no capital songs in stereo that sound more like they were recorded in a bank vault, in a, in a <laughs> empty bank vault, than She's a Woman and I Feel Fine in, in stereo. I mean, they are just yes. wild. Mono, too. I yeah. mean, the singles of these are also the duophonic. So however you listen to these songs through the Past Masters CD in 88 in the States, you were getting duophonic. And uh, yeah, I mean... It's funny to listen to now, but it's also how I'll, I'll always think about these songs. Oh, Maybe funny. I'm an oldster, but like that's how I, I want to hear it with the echo. To me, it sounded like they were playing the songs like a copy of the single through like a little gorilla practice amp with all the <laughs> stupid reverb turned way up. Yeah. The second mono mix they did, especially for the U.S. market in the U.K., and they added a little reverb to it in the yeah. U.K. Then Dexter gets his hands on it, adds even more reverb. Yeah. Slathers man. it. Slathers it, man. Slathers it. But... uh yeah, we've talked about this song before uh, on our show. It was written and recorded on the same day. You know, there are three other Beatles songs that were written and recorded on the same day. Hmm. Hey, Bulldog. No, but close. All together now. Oh, right. Wait a sec. Didn't they? But they, right, they finished Hey Bulldog while they were recording the Lady Madonna video. Yes. That's right. That was a Maiden Studio. That's right. All, all together now, okay. All together now. Birthday, because they right. had just seen that movie, uh, Girl Can't Help It, I think. Right. 
and then the ballad of John and Yoko. Right, with just John and Paul. Just John and Paul, Doing yeah. all those overdubs, yeah. With great, great Paul drumming on that track, by the way. Agreed. I love this composition. This is one of those con- controversial Beatles songs some people don't love. The, there's a banality to the lyrics. Right. Um, but Paul's vocal delivery and the blues riff in this thing, the off meter, it's not really off meter, but the it's a tricky opening. Those guitar stabs, bump, bump, bump. Bump. They're on the offbeat, and that's John. Yeah, yeah, and that's then Paul's bass comes in to kind of to kind of provide the the footprint of that song. It's really great. It is, yeah. Now, according to the Lewison book, Ringo played uh, a shikayu. Technically, that is a Brazilian like a jingle stick, like it has like tambourine jingles on it, and it's kind of like a stick that you. But I, he was describing a, a cylindrical shaker. With the metal beads inside, that's what Ringo's playing. I don't know what you call that. You call that a cylindrical shaker with metal beads inside. Shikayu, that toddling town, baby. <laughs> Shikayu. Yeah. It means, that means stinky stinking dingle. <laughs> stinky dingle. Had that once. Keep a, keep a dingle out of my bingle. Know what I mean? <laughs> Can I get some? I'll have the spotted dick and the stinky dingle. See, I've been to the UK, TJ. Whenever when we go to Liverpool, I'll order the food. Spotted dick, stinky dingle, <laughs> sat on sprats. For a fish and pies in, in Paul's lyrics book, he talks about this one. When does a girl become a woman? To us, they'd been girls till we were around 21. Now we could dare to think of ourselves as men and could think of girls as women. That's what he had to say about that one. It also inspired the hit She's About a Mover by the Sir Douglas Quintet. Yeah. Later covered by Ringo on Old Wave. But some people have suggested that She's a Woman was inspired by an earlier Sir Douglas Quintet flop called Sugar Bee. No, you make the call on that. Did, were the Beatles listening to Sir Paul? Uh, <laughs> the Beatles loved solo Sir Paul. John Lennon's favorite album was Driving Rain. <laughs> like you. One, two, three, four, five. Let's go for a drive. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Let's go there and back again. Now, TJ, the British EP's collection, which came out in 1981, used a different stereo mix where you hear Paul's count in. I have the count in. I've got the CD version of the stereo EP. It's uh, the only place it. it's ever been made available. One, two, three, four. Then you, well, you don't flip the record over. In theory, you would flip the record over. In Unless the, you're done with it. <laughs> I, I would be too with all that goddamn reverb. No, no, no. <laughs> in the UK, you would have flipped it over because it was a single, but in the US, you just let that stylus keep smiling. And the, <laughs> the next track is uh, I Feel Fine, which was the A side of this uh, single. 
Uh, and in the American version, Tony, the echo and reverb, the dexterization over the feedback into the guitar riff, it sounds like a space age, like <laughs> punk tune. This, I mean, it's a whole different vibe, the U.S. version, especially the U.S. stereo. It's a whole different vibe. As you know, the feedback was discovered by accident between takes, not there as they were recording I Feel Fine, but in an earlier session when they were doing Eight Days a Week, John leaned the acoustic Gibson against his amp before shutting it off, got that uh, electric razor sound going, and then uh, they later played with it, you know, like, oh, let's put that on a record. And I want to say it was George Martin that maybe suggested putting it at the beginning of I Feel Fine. Well, then they called that back in Twickenham where George almost electrocuted himself five times on a microphone. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. That happened to Elvis, too, and that's the way it is. He gets shocked, man, and it's crazy it, He's while he's doing Little Sister. Excuse me? <laughs> it's a song. You know Little so Sister. Elvis or, is it Elvis or Jerry Lee Lewis <laughs> yeah, while he's doing Little Sister? <laughs> no, but Elvis used to do little, a, a medley of Little Sister into Get Back. Little Sister, don't We've got to get over. We got to get a tub of popcorn. I got to play you Elvis. That's the way it is. I'm going to convert you. You're going to love Elvis, man. Okay. Did, did Elvis sing Cry Little Sister? No, not that I know of. I don't know that one. Cry Little Sister. Who is that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, from I don't listen Lost to that Boys kind of soundtrack? shit. Oh, one of those songs. It might be from the Lost Boys soundtrack. <laughs> on Atlantic <laughs> Records and Tapes. Apparently, I Feel Fine and She's a Woman were both played during the Double Fantasy sessions. And there was even video footage of John doing She's a Woman, but apparently he destroyed the, the videotapes because he didn't like the look of himself with his hair in a ponytail. <laughs> you know, there are rumors from, and even Yoko alluded to this in the, in, in the Lennon document, the imagined film, but, you know, there were some people who said that Lennon may have been dying in 1980. Do you, have you read anything about this? That, like, there were there was some hmm. talk that Lennon hadn't been seen in a long time. When he was, he was very gaunt and very thin, and that there was a chance he was ill. He was thin since 1970 or whatever, whenever they were smacked out. I mean, look at Get Back. He's thin as a rail. But yeah, I mean, who knows, man? I don't know. I don't know. That that time in his life's a little mysterious. I always just see him as like watching a lot of TV and hanging around the house and stuff. Baking so, bread and watching Sesame Street and, and, and soaps. Yeah. Uncle Floyd and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And that yeah. preacher. And Count Floyd. And Count Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, and then we get the album closer. Side two, bookended with Carl Perkins tunes. Everybody's trying to be my baby. 
which also closes Beatles for Sale. So they jump back for the first time on side two from a song from the Beatles for Sale album. Yeah, man. Everybody listening, or I don't mean to be um, patronizing, most people listening know that the songs left off of this most appeared then on Beatles VI, which was two albums later because you had the early Beatles in between. I know. Yes. Beatles 6. I, I mean, I have to say it for people who are like, what are you talking? What's Beatles I, VI? I've only ever called it Beatles VI, <laughs> honest to God. Right. Well, yes, man. And I always call this Beatles apostrophe LXV. <laughs> so I get it. Well, I took some from a tree. Dressed it up and they called it me. Everybody's trying to be my baby. Everybody's trying to be my baby. Everybody's trying to be my baby now. Woke up last night, half past four. Fifth women knocking on my door. Everybody's trying to be my baby. Everybody's trying to be my baby. Everybody's trying to be my baby now. This is a part of their marathon October 18th session. Another one take wonder. And even the solo was performed live. Like they had this one down. You know, these songs were in, in their uh, muscle memory, in their blood, all that stuff. And this one, the original British version, has a fair share of echo on it. This was not Americanized for echo. This is not a dry song anywhere in the world. Yeah. They, yeah, there's tape echo applied to the live vocal. So the, actually yep. the whole band gets kind of this tape echo treatment. So, yeah, it's uh, that. And there's another song. I want to say rock and roll music is the other song where they have the yeah. same setup going on. The two one take wonders on this uh, on this record. Yeah, man. It was originally written in 1936 by Rex Griffin with a slightly different harmony and s- some different lyrics. Griffin said they took some honey from a bee which makes sense <laughs> as opposed to from a tree. <laughs> you didn't have honey trees growing up? No, no man. I grew up in the, the suburbs in the big city. <laughs> CJ, they had honey trees. <laughs> All we have were honey trees. Oh, honey trees. <laughs> they took a little honey from a bee, dressed it up and called it me. Cause everybody's trying to be my baby. Everybody's trying to be my baby. Everybody's trying to be my baby now. Well, as you know, George did have, he had a second song he had written around this time that never saw the light of day until Anthology 1, a demo called uh, You Know What To Do. You Know What To Do, yeah, which is kind of bouncy and major key, George. When I see you, I just don't know what to say. Yeah. It's not a bad tune. It's not finished. It's not finished. I hope that you won't mind if I walk back home. But if you want me, it's like I need you. You know what to do Just call on me when you're lonely I'll keep my love for you only I'll call on you if I'm lonely too Well, it didn't make the cut. I, I was going to say, like, well, I might have preferred that song in a finished Beatleized, like, cleaned up, up to snuff for recording. I might have preferred that. Only just because I like, I just love Beatle originals. I'll take any Beatle original over a cover. So that's me, but hey. Uh, I would argue you would take uh, Mr. Moonlight over Hey Jude. Is that correct? (laughs) 
Stick around. Next week, we answer that question. (laughs) We find out. (laughs) So Beatles 65, now back in print. It is part of the uh, CD reissues in 2014. Um, it's cool to have Beatles 65 on CD. You can find it. The best way to find it, like with the original Capitol Records, is that 04 box set because yes. they use 100% of the mixes used for the original LP. The only totally authentic digital version is the CD that is, I think, now out of print from 2004. There you go. Well, there you have it. Uh, thank you to our producer, Casey. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard today, you know, smush the subscribe button. Give us a nice review or a real review. Try to be nice. Fuck it. Lie. If you don't like us, just be nice. We need more kindness in this world. The Beatles, all you need is love. All we need is a good review. (laughs) I'm Tony Mendoza. Yes. Stop being the Al Cap to our bed in John Lennon. Stop (laughs) being a dick. And stop eating those Andy Cap cheese fries. You're getting that shit all over my nice sofa. (laughs) Yeah. And and stop giving Andy Frains a hard time. They're there to help you to your seat. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. Andy Frayn ushers were once everywhere in Chicago. All the stadiums, racetracks, conventions, concert halls. I saw Frank Sinatra twice. Janis Joplin. The Beatles three times. James Brown, Al Green. Rolling Stones. I saw Fat Elvis. The Who. And Skinny Elvis.